Good evening. Are you okay? Yeah? Everyone alive and well? Please punch your neighbor. No, turn to your neighbor and say, are you alive? I forgot. It's a Christian gig. Sorry. I speak in lots of environments and I keep forgetting this is the Christian one. So good evening. Welcome. Some of you might be thinking, did he forget the communion? Uh, The answer is no, he didn't forget communion. We're going to be doing that a little bit later and uh, just really felt the Lord say that rather than doing it our normal way, which is in the first block of worship, it would be really appropriate to to gather around this table, well kind of here, but around this table, uh, in line with what what I want to to share tonight with you. So um, we have a bit of a vision as a church and there it is, the red bit, all in with God, all in with each other, and all in for the world. And we've got three ways, three hows, uh, how we're going to do that. So being all in with God, we think it's about how we position ourselves before God. And, and sometimes that does mean physically how we position ourselves before God. So you'll see a few guys uh, uh, jumping around. You'll see a few guys kneeling. It's not a very fashionable thing to do to, to, to kneel. Some of us uh, are old enough that we used to go to church and we used to kneel very regularly. But it's, it's, a, really, it's a positioning before God. But, but you guys probably know that, that spiritual disciplines, as people call them, you probably might not use that word, but, but things like prayer and fasting and time alone and, and time going to a life group and time coming to worship, spiritual disciplines, the thing about that stuff, giving, it, it doesn't... It doesn't impact God in the way that it's not kind of like God's a, a one-armed bandit. You put some prayer in, you put some Bible study in and pull the lever and then the blessing kind of comes out. It doesn't work like that. What happens is you position yourself in a way that God can work in you. The Holy Spirit can come and work in you. we put that slide back on. The second one is about partnering. So, so we believe that God has, has called us to be together. We believe that God has said, um, you know, I want all of you. That, as I quite often say when I'm, when I'm speaking, God says, no one else can be you. No one else can have your personality. No one else can have my amazing, sorry, Jamie, I'm getting in front of the speakers. No one else can have my amazing physique. Only I get to have this body with my 24-pack. The amazing thing is, the amazing thing is that each one of us is completely unique. No one else can be you. Do you realize that? No one else can have your relationships, your friendships, your particular gifts. No one else can serve in the way that that you can. And that's why we have this vision about partnering. We actually know that as a church family, we're honest about this. Trinity, we've not always been great at partnering with other people. We've, we've actually, because God has blessed us in a way, the, the trouble with that is you can almost think like you, well, you can become a bit self-important, can't you? So it goes back to that positioning thing about humility. We want to be much better at partnering with each other. We don't want a situation where there's just a few of us kind of in a way and, and others are supporting. We want the whole of God's people released. 
I'm going to say it and keep on saying it and keep on saying it. You guys are on the front line of ministry. You do the ministry. I, I do kind of a ministry, but you do the ministry just like we were talking about a moment ago with Abby. But when you're at school or college or work or in your home or shopping tomorrow, in your business, that is where the ministry of God is done. That is where the stuff happens rather than this being the most important thing. And our third one, as David has already alluded, all in for the world. And that means about planting stuff, doing stuff in God's name, bringing new life in God's name. And so uh, we spent September thinking a bit about prayer because that's to do with positioning. We spent October thinking about our money because that's to do with how we partner and serve together as, a, as the family of God. And this month we've been thinking about planting, about mission, about reaching out. I would be thinking about that in different ways. And here's a film which shows you how really to do it. This is the best film. This is, this is Mission in Action. Could you show the film, please? Hi, guys. Quinn and Kylie here. We are so excited to announce our next trip. It's a mission trip. Our next mission trip. We are going to serve humbly the scuba instructors here in Aruba. We are so honored. So honored. Why do you guys have asked you? Why Aruba? Yeah, we actually came here on our honeymoon. Yeah, and we were out on the pier having the sunset dinner. I was about to pick up the lobster and dip it in the butter. We so just good. looked at each other. We just felt like God had called us. For such a time as this. We've had so many God moments while being here. The Cabana Boys. Oh, the golf caddy. Yeah, the parasail guy. I had a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with the guy I rent the jet skis from. I don't even want to hear about that. So good. When, when moments like that, we just know that we're here for a purpose, yeah, for but sure. we can relate to missionaries all over the world when we say it hasn't been without its share of persecution. Yeah, like last week we were prepping to do this scuba dive, yes. and I was wearing my cross necklace like tell I always them, do. Tell them what the instructor said to you. And the instructor looked me dead in the eyes and said, man, you need to take that necklace off. Take it off. And I said, I will not, I will stand for what I believe in. But I mean Satan. Right, but come to find out the necklace actually would block the airflow of the mask, so I had to take it off. It makes sense, he was helping you. But yeah. at the time, we didn't feel- I felt attacked. Honestly, I feel like a lot of what we're doing down here, babe, is planting seeds. We yeah. haven't seen much harvest, but we know that the Lord is working. It's kind of like we're a living version of footprints in the sand. Except two sets of footprints that into zero, that's where we lay down. We're yeah. Like the other day, I was shopping for some supporter gifts for all of you. I was looking at these keychains made by real orphans, and I was about to have a moment with the cashier lady. And you were going to witness to her. I was going to witness to her, but we had dinner reservations. Yeah, it was not the right time. But it's time. Wherever we go, in the shops, at the car dealership, we wear the WWJD bracelets. I actually lost mine. Anyway, we just want to ask that you would partner with us and invest with us here in Aruba long term. Long term, but really for only three months because after that it's rainy season and my hair gets frizzy, so. Okay. And you feel like maybe after three months God is maybe going to transition us out of Aruba. Don't spoil it. And we're going to be witnessing to the wine connoisseurs and vineyard owners <laughs> of Tuscany. But that's another video and another outfit. Uh, yeah. I haven't even finished my Pinterest board. We need to be here and now. I talked with our accountant. All we need is $10,000 a month. Basically what we're uh, <laughs> saying is that we want to ask you for prayer. Well, pray that God would ask you to give us your money. Okay. It's so easy to give. We just ask if you think about us in prayer after you've given, just ask that we would daily pick up our cross. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <we're sort> of <laughs> 
You know what I'm saying? Just, it's no, nice. I said extra caviar. No, fix that. Where's the Prosecco? What am I supposed to drink? Cut this part. No, get out. <laughs> <laughs> so, Abby, so good that you're totally different to that. Totally different to that. So we're thinking about mission. That's how not, that's how not to do it. Um, what we're thinking about this week is, is gathering around the table. It's as simple as that. We're thinking about eating and drinking for the world. David, this morning when he was speaking, and he did a much better talk than I'm going to do, by the way, so go and watch it online because it'll be so much better. He said, saving the world through eating and drinking. You can see I've been trying quite, quite hard, but maybe not in the way that, that we're thinking about. Let's, let's just read this. This is a, a, a well-known little story to lots of us uh, about an encounter that, that Jesus had. So here you go. Jesus entered uh, a city called Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Sorry, that last bit got just cut off. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So I love what, uh, again, David has read more books than me, and he's read a book where someone said that you can sum up Luke's gospel, where that comes from, by saying that Jesus is always at a meal, or on his way to a meal, or coming back from a meal, throughout the whole story uh, as told by, by Luke. And, and this little incident, this little occasion where, uh, where Jesus meets Zacchaeus has been often called the mini gospel because it does sum up in the story of this little short man, and I identify with him very much, it sums it all up, Jesus' entire message, the story of salvation about someone who was an outsider being welcomed in, receiving hospitality and welcome from God. Tax collectors, we can see in the, in the passage, he was a tax collector. So that meant that he was a traitor. He was, he was a Jew, but he was working for the Roman occupiers. And he was wealthy because what tax collectors did was they always took a little bit of extra, a little bit of a cut for, for themselves. So he's somebody who is thought to be kind of like the worst of the worst, and he's, he's small as well. The, the physicality, the way that the scene is described is, again, meant to set up the idea. He's, he can't see Jesus. He wants to see Jesus. But it's interesting to note that, isn't it? That he wanted to see Jesus. He has got all the money, all the wealth, everything we were talking about last month. He's got it all, but he hasn't. He's missing. He wants 
to see this Jesus. Do you notice the next thing? That it's Jesus who takes the initiative. Jesus looks up and Jesus calls him by name. Was was Zacchaeus so well known, so notorious that Jesus knew his name? Or is Luke trying to tell us something about, about God knowing our name? It's definitely Jesus who takes the initiative, isn't it? It's Jesus sees him. Don't you love that thought? I don't know, maybe you're here tonight and you wonder... Really, does God see me? Does anybody see me? And in this little mini gospel story, this little good news story, the answer is yes, Jesus sees him. And what does he do? He invites him down and says, I'm going to come and be your guest. I'm going to come and eat with you. And that, and that clearly is... That's the mission strategy. That's the way that Jesus is going to connect with this man who's an outsider, who, who feels cut off, who, who uh, thinks that, that God maybe doesn't love him. Jesus' strategy is to sit and to eat with him. And we, and we know, we don't know exactly how the conversation went around the meal table, but we know it's completely transforming because the little bit where Zacchaeus comes out and immediately says, we'll put it up there for us, immediately says, if I've cheated anybody, he says, I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody, I'll pay back four times the amount. Now, in, in Jewish religious law, there were very strict equations, very strict formulas for how much you had to give if you had sinned, if you had done the wrong thing against somebody, against God. And what Zacchaeus is doing is overwhelming generosity back to God. It's a, it's a complete transformation. The one who was on the outside is now brought in. It's interesting, isn't it, to notice that the, it's not the actions that cause God to have the grace and the love. It's not the, the actions of Zacchaeus by, by giving generously to the poor and, and if he's cheated anyone, paying them back. That's not what triggers God's love being shown to him because Jesus took the initiative. But it is the response. It is the response. We we didn't spend a month talking about money as Trinity Cheltenham because we're so desperate for your money or we believe that God is so desperate for our money that we had to find four different ways to talk about it. I mean, a church family does need money. But the reason we talked about money for a month is because it has such a hold on us. And what we do with our money, especially in such an amazingly wealthy part of the world, it is a sign of what's going on in our hearts. It's the reaction of the crowd, isn't it, that we maybe notice. They they mutter, don't they? They say, what's this Jesus doing going around to, uh, he's eating with a tax collector. And uh, what it tells us and reminds us, and maybe you do or don't know this, is what was called the significance of of table fellowship. Who you shared your table with in Jewish culture was and is still a massive deal. 
The Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, um, they had uh, uh, 341 rulings about how to live life in the right kind of way. And out of the 341 instructions or rulings that they had for, for what a religious person would look like, 229 of them were about eating and drinking. It was in that society at Jesus' time, a critical way that you marked out who was in and who was out, who was clean in God's eyes and who was unclean in God's eyes through who you ate with. And this is clearly Jesus' deliberate action. As I've said, that that description of the whole of Luke's gospel, having a meal on his way to having a meal or on his way back from having a meal. 19 times through the gospel of Luke, through Luke's account of Jesus' life, 19 times Jesus is accused of eating with tax collectors and sinners. And so the crowd mutters. What is this Jesus doing? Eating with somebody who's not a member of our dining club. What's he doing? How dare he? But as we nearly read, and it will be on this one, Jesus' mission is to seek and to save the lost. The religious leaders shouldn't have been surprised, really, should they? Because if you want to think about a way of summing up the Bible, a table, a a food table, a meal table is a pretty good way, isn't it? If you think about it, at creation, the beginning of the whole of the Bible story, God creates the world and he lays out for Adam and Eve a feast. They, They can eat anything they want in the Garden of Eden except for one apple one tree of apples. There's a feast laid out before them. There's the Passover table. If you know your Bibles, what happens to God's people? They end up in in slavery, don't they, in Egypt? And they're rescued by God from slavery in Egypt and they're, they're brought out of Egypt through the wilderness and into the, the promised land. And so every, every Passover meal, the, the Jews gather around their Passover table and they eat and they drink to remind themselves and to relive what God has done to rescue them. And then right the way through scripture, the picture of heaven is again of a banquet table. It's a a, a wedding feast. In Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah 25.6, the day is coming, he says, when Yahweh, God, will lay out a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. The table is, is there right the way through Scripture as a symbol of God's invitation, of God's acceptance, God's hospitality. The table is the place of of remembering and of renewal. The table is is the place of of laughter and of joy and of peace. The table is is the place of connection. 
The table is the place of communion with God. And so they shouldn't have been surprised that Jesus, Jesus broke the rules to sit and share tables with sinners because that was his mission. Because he said to them, he said, you need, a, you need another table, don't you? You've got creation table. You've got the Passover table. You've got the heavenly feast table to look forward to in Revelation. But you need another table. You need a, a table. Well, he gathered them, didn't he, at Passover? And he took the, he took the bread and he said, you need, a, you need a table, the communion table. You need to break bread. And when you break bread... You need to know that my body is being given for you, given for you. And when you, when you eat the bread, you will know that spiritually you are partaking with me. You are joining with me. And he took what would have been the, the third cup of wine, the third blessing. They had a number of blessings through the Passover meal. And he, he took the third one and he took it. And he said, when you, when you drink this, you will remember me and what I have done for you and you will remember what I'm about to do for you on the cross. You'll remember in a way that is not just looking back, but you'll remember in a way that makes a difference to who you are now. That spiritually... You can share in me. And of course he did that the night before he was to be crucified. You see, the table, the table sums it all up. Instead of God remembering, uh, instead of them remembering God sparing them by the blood of lambs from Egypt, now they are to remember God sparing them through the blood of Jesus. So this table stuff is powerful. A guy called N.T. Wright, who's a theologian, said, uh, when Jesus himself wanted to explain to his followers what his death was going to be all about, he didn't give them a theory. He gave them a meal. And as I've already used the word, Paul, when he's writing to the new Christians in a place called Corinth, he says that God invites you into fellowship and then the same Greek word gets used for God invites you to participate in Jesus through the bread and the wine. Jesus' miracle at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. We've got a little picture to make us think about that. As he, as he created more wine, the finest, finest wine, much more than was ever going to be needed at the wedding. It's a picture of God's abundance and provision. This is the table that we're invited to gather around. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never really thought about these truths. 
Well, this is a meal for anybody and everyone who loves the Lord Jesus. And you don't come to it and you don't share the bride and wine because you, you love God so much that you deserve to. You come and you share the bread and the wine because you know that you love God a little and you are desperate to love him more. You don't gather around this table because you, you know that you're good enough and that you can somehow earn being here. You come to this table actually because you know that you're not good enough in your own strength. But you come because you believe that what Jesus did on the cross does mean that we can look forward to sitting at God's table. We can look forward to the feast in heaven. So if we want to join in, if we want to join in with God's mission, and that's what co-mission means. We get commissioned. Many of you will know the Great Commission at the end of Matthew's Gospel. Jesus says to his followers, now what you've got to do is go and make other followers and baptize them in my name. And so, so God gives us a shared mission. Our mission obviously has to reflect Jesus' mission. What he did is what we're called to do. And of course, it is both the simplest thing and it is, of course, the hardest and most difficult thing. This, this table meal happened, as I've said, just before Jesus was going to be crucified. It happened just before he was about to be dragged out by a legion of, of Roman centurions and whipped. And he was going to be dragged through the streets. And he was going to have nails put through his hands. And he was going to die of suffocation. So this is both the easiest thing to do. And you're already doing it. You, you, can, you can do the talk for yourselves who are we inviting to our table? Who are the outsiders? Who are we, who are we saying, come and gather, come and, come and sit? As David really helped again this morning say, who are we prepared to be a guest of rather than just simply only be a host for? Because as David was reminding us, to be a host is to be in charge and be in control. Jesus was more often a guest. Who are the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the sinners? Who are the outsiders? Who are those who don't think that God will welcome them at his table? The cats also reveal to us how we're tempted just to offer a little bit. You have a little sip, then I'll have a little sip. Keep it separate. It is the simplest thing to say to share in God's mission, we need to eat and drink Eat and drink. Gather at our table with others. It's the easiest thing to say that the table, if we sit down with others, is naturally a, a place of connection, isn't it? It's a, it's a place where you, you find out about each other. It's easy to say that uh, the table is the place where you, can, where you can share and you can serve. The word ministry means to serve. You can serve each other, literally, with the food. You know, you've got 10,000 taste buds. God loves food. You can give people your time. And, of course, you can bless them 
by sharing your story of Jesus. It is both the easiest thing to do, but it is also, also so challenging. It's not about expensive food. It's not about having a clean house. It's definitely not about putting on a show. It's not about doing the hoovering really carefully. It's about the attitude of our heart. Every single one of us can do it. The question is whether we're going to be willing to do it. To have a lifestyle of hospitality, of welcome and invitation. The word hospitality, the Latin root for that word is also the same word that we get the word hospice and hospital from. To welcome generously is to want to care for people is to care enough about people to really have them at your table. So this is the easiest thing for us to think about doing. Every single one of us can exercise the ministry of Jesus Christ. Everyone can be on the mission team with God through this ministry of hospitality, eating and drinking with others. But it might just change our lives in the process. It might just change a church, the church, in the process. If we really get how radical it is. So friends, there's an invitation tonight, doing things a little bit differently. There's an invitation, number one, because this is how God works, to us personally, to gather again around the Lord's table. The invitation, as I say, is to everyone who loves the Lord Jesus, wants to love the Lord Jesus, knows their need for the Lord Jesus. Everyone and anyone. Because he's doing the inviting, not me. And as you eat and as you drink, for the Holy Spirit, God with us now to come and to connect your heart, your spirit, directly with God's. That's the first invitation. The second invitation is that as we go away from the table or whoever serves us, as we we go away from tonight, the second invitation is to be sent out. Sent out to share in the mission of Jesus Christ. To eat and to drink with those who otherwise might feel that they're not welcome. We're going to share the bread and wine in different places. It's non-alcoholic wine, gluten-free bread. And then we're going to
be back in our seats and we're going to worship a bit. Uh, there's opportunity to, to pray if anyone particularly wants individual prayer. That will be down here to, to my left. But I'd, I'd, love you to, I'd love us to pray just with each other where we are, where we are. I'd love us just to, to pray with each other. But there's also this opportunity if God's doing something special in your life. So why don't you stand if you're able to?